Lord Jesus, we come to you weary, thirsty, wandering. We come to you for rest, for water, and for the way. We pray that you would shine your light on us now. That you would show us yourself. And we ask this for your glory. Amen. When was the last time that you were thirsty? For me, it was when I sat down to write this sermon. Started to think about being thirsty and then all of a sudden I I, I dried up. And all I could think of was a nice cup of tea or a glass of water. I wonder, could it be that when you think about being thirsty, then you are thirsty in the same way that you, you know, hear someone yawning or you see someone yawning and then all you can do is is yawn yourself. Please don't yawn this morning, even though I've mentioned it. uh, Please don't do that. It would really put me off and might even make me yawn as well in the middle of the sermon, which would be really bad. But think of the last time you were thirsty. Uh, And maybe the boys and girls can especially help us to think about that. It might have been after a hard day's work on the farm or in the garden. You might have been uh, playing all day on one of those two days of summer that we had this year. And uh, you're really thirsty. Maybe you've been going around the shops getting everything ready for back to school, the uniform and the pencils and whatever all else you need to get uh, before you go back. Being thirsty means you need water because you don't have it. And I've brought something with me today uh, to show what you might need if you're thirsty. Oh, that's quite heavy. And there it is. This is my water bottle, uh, a litre, and I try to drink Maybe at least one of those, maybe two of those a day if I can. As you see, I haven't really got very far yet today. But that'll be later on's task. But that that is the picture in the opening verses of Psalm 42. Being thirsty, needing a drink. But the particular picture, if you look at it, if you turn back in the service sheet to find the start of verse of Psalm 42 is a deer as a deer pants for flowing streams the picture is of a a, a deer running through the woods maybe being chased and it wants a drink it it needs a drink it's looking, it's longing for a a flowing stream for good clear water uh, to give it a drink and just as that deer is thirsty for water In the same way the writer of the psalm is thirsty, but not for water. Rather, he is thirsty for God. Look at it with me. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. 
My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. If you've ever known that thirst for water, have you ever experienced that thirst for God? If being thirsty for water is because you're you're dry and you don't have any, then thirst for God is because we don't have him or we aren't experiencing him at that time. I wonder if you've ever had dry times in your faith. Have you ever felt that longing for God? Now maybe you're thinking to yourself, this... This being thirsty for God must only be for people who aren't Christians. Surely only non-Christians would have this thirst because they don't know God. And so they're searching. They're like a man wandering in in a desert looking for water. But they don't know where to find it. And and they don't know the source of it. But Psalms 42 and 43 are the experience of a believer. And even if you can't get your head around that at at this moment, because your Christian life is always abounding, it's always joyful, well, listen up. You never know when you might need this word from the Lord. And if you do recognize yourself in this situation, that you are thirsty, you're longing for God, then let's see how we can hold on in hope. As we've seen in these opening verses, the the thirst is great, his need is deep. And then that question comes at the end of verse 2. When shall I come and appear before God? He's thirsty for God, but his tears are his food. It's as if he sits down to breakfast and, and the tears flow from his eyes to his mouth. And then he sits down for lunch. What's for lunch? More tears. For dinner? Tears. And it's made worse as other people ask him, where is your God? Not just once, not just a few times, but all the day long. Where is your God? Now if that's not bad enough, verse 4, he remembers when things were different. He looks back at a time in his life when, uh, when he wasn't thirsty. These things I remember, he says, as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng, that's the crowd, and lead them in procession to the house of God. With glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude Keeping festival. He looks back and remembers how things used to be. He was one of the worship leaders. He was a musician, a singer. He was in the choir. He was in the thick of it, leading people, leading God's people in praise. But now he's far away, thirsty, longing for God. Perhaps you look back to when things were different. You remember a time when you were involved in lots of things, but but now you're on the fringes or, or maybe even further away. 
You felt so near to God at that time, but now so distant. Where is he? Well, up to now, you might have noticed that the writer is speaking to God. Verse 1, so, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. But now, in verse 5, he turns to speak to someone else. Not someone around him, but himself. I wonder, uh, do you talk to yourself? Now, don't be afraid to say yes. You see, sometimes people say, oh, it's a bad thing if you start talking to yourself. That, you know, that's a sign of, you know, hmm, things are going downhill. But whether we realize it or not, we're always talking to ourselves. There's always some sort of conversation going on. Whether it's, you know, worries being recycled time and time again. And you you talk to yourself and say, what am I going to do about that? What am I going to do about that? What am I going to do about that? Or you're just, you're wondering how you're feeling. How am I today? You know, am, am, am I doing okay? Or is this a bad day? Is this a good day? Or maybe you're... You're processing what someone said to you or about you, you know, or you you think, why did I say that? How could I be so silly to say that? Or perhaps you're just psyching yourself to get out of bed. The alarm has gone two times, three times. I have to get up now. I'll miss the bus if I don't get up now. I'm going to be late if I don't get up now, so get up. Anyone ever talk to themselves like that? Or, you know, you psych yourself up for that awkward phone call. I have to ring them today, but I'll I'll wait till after lunchtime. And then after lunchtime, maybe they're not in the office. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it until tomorrow. Well, here the writer is talking to himself. And he's asking himself how he feels. He says, verse 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? And you think, well, you already know. You've already said why in those first four verses. But do you see how he continues to talk to himself? In in fact, how he gives himself a good talking to. Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He turns the focus from himself and his own problems and instead turns his focus on God. He's preaching to himself. He's reminding himself of what he knows about the gospel, what he knows about God. Encouraging himself uh, based on God's promises. Just as last week we were encouraged to do that for one another from Psalm 95 and Hebrews 3. Sometimes, though, we, we, we might think that if we pray about something once, then that's it. It'll all get sorted. It'll all get resolved instantly. But the psalm continues. And in this second section, the, the, the pain almost seems to get worse. He says, verse 6, continuing, My soul is cast down within me. 
Therefore, I remember you from. He feels distant from God. And so, boys and girls, if if the first image was this water bottle because we're thirsty for God. The second thing that I have today is one of these. And I wonder if you might know what it is as I open it up and hopefully we'll get it folded up again. What's that? A map, yeah. And if you look at verse 6, he says, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Now if you turn over in the service sheet, you mightn't have found this yet, but if you turn over in the service sheet to the inside back cover, you'll find a map. A map of uh, Israel and, and Palestine. And at the very top of it, uh, you'll see uh, Damascus and then a little triangle, Mount Hermon. Do you see where that is? Now follow the river down at the River Jordan, at which kind of goes past Dan into the Sea of Galilee, and then on, 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 on down to the Dead Sea. And do you see just to the left of the Dead Sea, you have Jerusalem. Do you see that? Yes. Yeah. That's the distance that we're talking about. And if you uh, have time later on, you could maybe measure uh, on the scale. See, this is, this is a great geography lesson, isn't it? You can measure on the scale those 15 kilometers and how many of those. Uh, it's about 120 miles. And he says that, that I'm here at Hermon. I'm miles and miles away from the temple and away from God's presence. And he says, God seems to have forgotten me. The enemy keeps oppressing me. Their taunts are like a deadly wound. They they keep asking, where is your God? And what the writer experiences physically... Being still far from Jerusalem. We can also experience spiritually. It seems as if God is so distant. And it's even more painful because of how he describes God. Look at at those verses again. He's the Lord who commands his steadfast love by day. The God of his life whose song is with him by night. He says in verse 9, God is my rock. Even these great and glorious things about God can seem like a burden when God is silent and distant. So once again, the writer talks to himself. Again, he asks why he's cast down. Again, he tells himself to hope in God that one day he will praise him because he is my salvation and my God. The second section is telling us to not give up. Even when prayers seem to go unanswered. Keep reminding yourself of the gospel. 
hold in there. Now when we get to the third section in in Psalm 43, and as you can see, really they, they fit together. They have the same chorus. When you get to Psalm 43, the the cry becomes even more desperate. And I was thinking about, you know, just how those cries can become more desperate. It might be like, you know, you're in another room and and you need your mum. And so you shout, mum, mum. And there's nothing. She's busy, she's doing something else and she doesn't hear you. So then in a wee minute, Mom! Mom! Wee bit, wee bit louder, wee bit more urgent. And, and maybe there's still silence, maybe Mom's still busy doing something else. She's washing the dishes or whatever she's doing. And so you really need to go for it. Okay. Mom! Mom! Anyone ever heard that or done that yeah well that's like psalm 42 and 43 here the cry gets more and more urgent sorry is is uh is the wee one still sleeping it's okay sorry just realized that after i done it sorry sorry katie but that that's what's happening here in psalm 42 and 43 The cry becomes more and more urgent, more and more desperate. And in Psalm 43, the call is for vindication, for God to act and defend his cause. Imagine if you were accused of something. And you know that you haven't done it. But you need someone else to come and say, no, actually, they're they're innocent. They, They didn't do that. That would be your vindication you would be in the clear. And the writer wants God to intervene and to demonstrate his power. You see, even in the darkest moments, the writer never loses his trust. He's still speaking to God. Even when things are going against him, and even when God seems distant, he still continues to call out to God. It's the very nature of this psalm. It's, it's a cry to God. Now in verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 43, the writer calls for resolution and, and also brings me to the final thing that I've brought with us. We've, we've had our water bottle uh, for thirst. We've had our map because we're far away. And the final thing... Is my little torch. My light. Verse 3. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. He recognises that that God must act, that, that it must be God who does it, that only God can bring him back and can satisfy his thirst. He asks 
for God's light and truth to lead him and to bring him and cause him to praise. Because that's precisely what he needs. He needs light for the path because he's so far away. And he needs truth because he's surrounded by the enemy's lies. It's what we need as well. Whether we're far from God because we've never really known God before. And we're, we're still wandering far from him. Or whether we've been a Christian for a long time and yet things have slipped. We've found ourselves far away. We've, we've lost our joy. What we need is for God to send his light and his truth. Or rather, the one who says, I am the light of the world. I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the light and the truth that God has sent to bring us back to him. To bring us into God's family and and causes us to worship. Now as these psalms finish, there comes the chorus again. And as he continues to pray, so he continues to talk to himself as well. He repeats the exact same words, but sometimes that's exactly what you need to do. We need to hold on to a promise. We need to hold on to that commitment. Like a dog with a bone, not letting go, holding on for dear life. Do you know, if you had a friend who was discouraged, who was feeling dry and weary and wondering how they could go on, you would hopefully draw alongside them and gently remind them of the hope of the gospel in Jesus. So why not do it to yourself. Talk to yourself in, in the best possible way. You're doing it anyway, but, but do it in the best way. Remind yourself of the gospel as you preach to yourself. Say to yourself as you waken, Today I will know that the Lord is with me. I know that the Lord loves me because Jesus has died for me. Jesus gave himself for me so I know that God loves me. God has promised that he will never leave me nor forsake me. Make those promises your own as you wake in each day. Because it's as we do this, as we talk to ourselves, as we preach the gospel to ourselves, that we find that hope. Which brings us to praise him, our saviour and our God. We started off with that thirst for God. And maybe as I've talked about thirst, you, you, you find that you are thirsty. There's tea and coffee afterwards, don't rush away. But our thirst for God is only satisfied When we come to the one who says in our second reading in John 7. If anyone thirsts. 
Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus will quench your thirst as he gives you the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we hear of Psalm 42 and that desperate longing, that thirst for you, so we recognize that longing, that thirst that we have. And so, Father, we we position ourselves under the tap, under the, the, the fire hose of your grace. We pray that you would indeed fill us and satisfy us, that we would know your joy and delight in your presence. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.